Two years ago, uh, Lee Rodriguez Espada, who is a 12-year-old young lady from New York, she had decided that she wanted to run in a family-friendly 5K run. And so uh, she's very excited about participating. She signed up to do it. On the day of the race, she was worried she was going to be late for the start, so she began prodding her mom, saying, come on, mom, we need to get there, we need to get there. And so uh, they arrived a little bit early. To Lee's surprise, shortly after she got there, everyone started running. It was a little early, but they took off running, and she thought to herself, boy, it's a good thing I came early. She took off running with them because she'd never been in a race like this before. Uh, she just began to focus, one foot in front of the another, another, you know, she's not really a runner by nature. She just thinks, pace, I got to pace myself, pace myself, pace myself. She's in this mode in about uh, mile four. She noticed that there was no finish line anywhere in sight. And she was really tired and she thought to herself, what is wrong here? And uh, she turned to another runner and Lee asked, how much further? Or maybe more appropriately, how much further? You know, this is, this is how you are when you get to that point. How much further? And uh, she says, that's when it struck me, Lee said. I was in the half marathon race instead of the 5K fun run. Despite the uh, unpleasant discovery, instead of dropping out of the race, Lee decided, let's just see how far I can go in this thing. Tells you something about her, her character right there. So she didn't quit. She kept running. She tried to see if she could finish the race. Meanwhile, now this is the rest of the story, you know, meanwhile, back at the ranch kind of line here. Meanwhile, Lee's mom, Brenda Lee Espada, was panicking. See, she had dropped her daughter off near the starting line while she went to park the car. And by the time she'd gotten back to the starting line, well, you guessed it, her daughter was gone. So for the next two hours, Lee's mom and the local police searched everywhere, <laughs> everywhere for little Lee. And uh, you probably could guess where they eventually found her. They found her at the finish line, exhausted, but she had a medal around her neck. She was one of the youngest contestants to uh, compete in the race and finish. She finished, did all 13.1 miles uh, of the course. Uh, and her mom later was interviewed, felt like she had run the race too. <laughs> was totally exhausted by the whole thing. You know, when I first heard this story, I just kept, it's a true story, by the way. It's not, not made of a true story uh, out in New York. It, when I first heard it, though, it was interesting. I, I just kept thinking about how sometimes uh, the race of life is not always what we think it's going to be. We find ourselves in a race that we didn't think we signed up for. You ever felt that way? You know, the challenges in your life, uh, they last longer. You know, they're more lasting and tiring. They're more strenuous than you expected. Ever felt that way? And we think to ourselves, if I'm going to finish well, something's got to change in here. Because what's going on in here is really depleted. Maybe you felt that way before. Well, the scriptures are really clear that, I mean, there is a source for help in all of that. And, of course, that's God. And the scriptures are a fantastic coach, can guide us toward victory and finishing well and um, 
we are wise if we just take seriously what God has provided and who he himself is and what he can do to, to fill us and strengthen us and guide us and empower us. And we're wise to turn to him for help in those kind of times. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take the next few minutes to look together at some biblical keys for success in life, for success at finishing well. And particularly, we're going to focus on college and the rest of life. But we're going to focus a little bit on college for this reason, because we have eight of our students who are graduating uh, and going to be a part of our grad night tonight. We've got a number of, uh, of high school students, some graduating. I would say if you're a young person, this is relevant to you. I'd say if, like, you're a grandparent and you have a college-age grandchild or a great-grandchild, whatever, this is still relevant because everything we're going to talk about this morning has relevance to all of life. But in particular, we're going to focus on applying it some to, uh, to those of us who are in uh, the, that college arena or entering into that uh, here. I've invited a couple of friends, Alex and Anna, come on up here if you would. A couple of our ministry partners uh, to help me this morning, Alex and Anna Rebeck. Uh, give them a round of applause if you would as they come up. They're uh, ministry partners of our church. We uh, support and invest in them on a, on a monthly basis and have for uh, uh, several years uh, with Anna, and then um, she married Alex. I did. She and that was a good. That was a, a good. Uh, you don't. You did well. Yeah, you're a wise so. man. I yeah. see your Fair wisdom words. already. Yeah. So uh, I've invited them uh, to uh, help help me this morning with this, and you'll see why. Tell us a little about what you what you guys do ministry wise, and then I think everybody will understand why I wanted you to help. Okay. Well, it really is a privilege uh, to be able to be here this morning. I know Southwoods was huge for Anna growing up, just building her foundation, and I haven't been around all that long. We got uh, married a year ago, May 12th, so coming up on year one anniversary. Uh, but it's been fun to be able to get to know you guys, and we're excited about being able to be here uh, this morning. But Anna and I, we're full-time uh, at K-State on the college campus there. Uh, we do a lot of building relationships with students there, and then primarily um, sharing the gospel, uh, doing small group Bible studies, one-on-one -on -one mentoring, disciple-making, things like that. And then not only um, establishing and equipping students from there, but our real heart and desire is to establish and equip students so that um, they can take their faith and pass it on and impact others, not only in the college realm, but ultimately beyond life into the next stage as well. Maybe, maybe I'll let you share just a practical story of your three friends. Yeah, so yeah, our hope is uh, we just have seen college to be a crucial time in people's lives and uh, specifically in our own lives. We were both impacted uh, significantly in college and so our hope is to send people out um, into wherever they're going and so it's been cool to see God do that and there's some friends I have that are teachers now, some that are overseas sharing the gospel full time, um, some that um, are on different college campuses also sharing the gospel and so um, yeah, it's just cool that God really has used the college campus and so we love being there. We love being able to impact um, students at that crucial age in their life. So. Which tell everybody the, the organization that's the umbrella organization for you guys uh, just so they know the campus ministry. Yeah, It's called Student Mobilization, STUMO for short, but the heart is to, to mobilize students from the college campus and so to mobilize them there, lead them to Christ, establish and equip them so that they might be mobilized to the other most parts of the earth. And so we have friends going to Southeast Asia, friends living in Columbia, Missouri, Friends living in Dallas, Kansas City, kind of all over. And so that's the, that's the reason behind the name. Stumo for short um, is kind of what some people call it. But I didn't get to grow up in a church like this. This was not a part of my childhood or my development or life before college. And so I came to Christ on the college campus, on the football team at K-State. And then Stumo was just the ministry that this guy on the team was a part of. So I just kind of came 
uh, with him. And so that's kind of how I initially got involved. So we're going to talk a little bit uh, about the three keys to success in college and life and, and this whole idea of finishing well. Because none of us does life with the goal of being a burnout or blowout. I mean, we don't, do we? We want to finish well. We want to do well. Um, the, the challenge is what's it going to take to get there? And so there's a number of biblical keys to this, but three that we want to highlight this morning. Uh, you have a corresponding passage of Scripture, and we're just going to work our way through these. And uh, Alex and Anna will comment at various places because uh, I, I want their insight on this. So the first biblical key to success in finishing well in college and life is that we need to commit ourselves to living a Christ-like, character-filled lifestyle. If you, It's a lot of words, so if you have a pen and you're writing this down, which I would recommend that you do, uh, commit your, we need to commit ourselves to living a Christ-like, character-filled lifestyle. If we want to dumb that down, it's all about godly lifestyle. It's all about that. Success in life, whether you're a college student, an adult, is about godly lifestyle. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all, the, uh, be an example to all believers in what you say, in what you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. You just look at the category of things. What's it talking about? It's talking about lifestyle, a godly lifestyle in particular. Now, uh, you guys are on campus, college campus, K-State, uh, regularly. I'm sure it's much different than KU. <laughs> Way better. Uh, we agree. Or Missouri, whatever. But uh, talk a little bit about the college lifestyle. Mm -hmm. yes. Tell us about that. Because some of us are thinking about college, and some of us are parents who are petrified about our kids going, tell, tell us a little bit about the college lifestyle, truthfully, what it's like. Mm -hmm. I think at K-State, at least, when you think about the college lifestyle, when you typically think of what college is like, that's what it's like. It is the typical college lifestyle. When I got to K-State, it wasn't following Christ. I remember um, I'm sitting in my freshman biology class, 198, and I'm reading this book in my biology class, and it's telling me that we're, we come from fish. Right? That's part of the college lifestyle, and they're telling me that, that this is true, that you know, career, you know, biblical teaching is not true. In college lifestyle, everything's pulling at you. They're telling me to I mean, live for the, the party scene, the social life. I mean, you guys know Aggieville. They're saying, hey, you need to live you know, for that. That's, that's, what's, uh, that's what you need to give your life to. And then on the football team, you know, football was good and great, and morally, football's not bad. Right. Um, but everyone's telling me, hey, give your life to this. Don't give your life to Christ. You know, say, you know, you know, put, you know, faith first, but don't really actually do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic as everything's pulling at you in a million different directions. Everything's recruiting you um, to follow it, to give your life to it. And not only immoral things, but even moral things that are good um, are pulling you to, or pulling me at least, to, to give my life to those things, to the resume, the GPA, the football. Those weren't inherently bad. Those are good things. I need to be a good steward of those things, but certainly not follow those as Lord. Mm -hmm. and, but it was just pulling me in a bunch of different directions. So. That's, that's one of the great challenges for all of us in life is it, it's not always the immoral things that sabotage uh, a Christian lifestyle, a godly lifestyle, I should say. It's, a lot of times it's a good thing way out of balance. And it becomes an idol. It becomes a little god in our lives or sometimes a great big god. And it, and it eclipses everything else and destabilizes a family, destabilizes a career path, destabilizes, you know, it just it can really wreck your life. 
and it can happen in the college environment. It can happen in, in, in any context. So in, we were dialoguing a little bit about this, this whole matter of advanced decision making and how that plays into living out a godly lifestyle. I mean, what, uh, what, what's been your experience with that? I mean, how do you coach young people toward that? That sort of thing. Talk about that a little bit. You want me to get this one? You got it. Do you want it? Yeah, me? Work. Okay, I'll go. Um, advanced decision making, yeah, like making a decision beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, one, just recently, uh, so I met a guy on campus, my buddy Hogan last year. Hogan's from Dallas. He came to K-State not following Christ. I just struck up a conversation with him one day. We developed a friendship. He actually came to Christ this year, um, probably around, I don't know, like three months ago, three months ago. Uh, but he had booked his spring break trip before he came to Christ. So he's got this spring break trip coming up, but then he comes to Christ. We've been talking about the gospel for the past, I don't know, hand, you know, year or so, maybe a little over. But he comes to Christ, and I probably would have preferred him to not go on the spring break trip, uh, but his faith just wasn't at a point to where that was going to be a reality. He he'd said he, I'd spent the money, so he said that he was going. I was like, all right, we'll duke that one out later. But Hogan wanted to make a, a decision in advance, so he said, hey, Rebeck, people call me Rebeck. They don't call me by my first name. I don't know why. Um, uh, but he said, hey, hold me accountable to, to not drinking, not partying on my, on my spring break trip. And i got to be honest, my faith, I didn't have a ton of faith in Hogan that he was going to carry that out. Um, and so, but, but he stuck to his commitment, and that was just a pre-decision for him. Um, I, when I came to Christ in college on the team, my roommate um, also started to follow Christ in college. Um, and we would go to the parties you know, with the guys on the team. We would just hold each other accountable. Hey, we're going to go out tonight, but, but we're not going to party. We're not going to you know, do what other guys on the team are doing. Um, and that was huge for me because I was so new in my faith. You know, if I wouldn't have made that decision beforehand and just kind of waited till the, the moment to, to roll the dice, I think we all know what that is like. We have different areas. Um, you guys aren't in Aggieville, I don't think, at least. Um, <laughs> There's no Aggieville where we live <laughs> okay, at okay. all. Um, but, but that predecision really helped me. And then I had my a buddy next to me you know, who's going to call me out if I caved. Yeah. And so that was just you know, a couple examples. And, that, and that's really key for all of us. I mean, this is not just applicable to a college environment. This is applicable to every one of us in our work settings and um, the neighborhoods we live in, the, the friends that we, some, some of us it's key for our family. It's like you need, just because of the dynamics of your family, you need to have someone who knows you well enough and you're open with that there's some accountability going on there and, uh, and there's some advanced decision making that's, that's taking place and uh, that's just real important. Uh, and I, I, I didn't prep you on this at all, or it's, I was going to ask you this, but it occurred to me, uh, talk to me a little bit about advanced decision making with regard to the subject of dating. Yeah, that is a great question. Yeah. Um, even for me specifically? Yeah, you specifically yeah, or just what? It, yeah. <laughs> it, it applies in your case, yeah. I know, but I'm thinking beyond that, just you know, obviously in your, your situation as well as uh, uh, others that you see. Talk yeah. about that for a second. It was, it was great for me to invite people in even before I started dating or even considered dating someone because um, you get clouded when you have feelings for someone. And so I think having just even some uh, non-negotiable things that I wanted to be true of anyone I would be willing to date, even before that became an option, that was really helpful for me. And so when uh, Alex asked me out, I had some people in my life that I could go to and you know, they were like, this is, you know, this is great. And I could say he is all of these things. Um, and so I didn't let emotions kind of change the decision that I would want to make. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was nice to- So he was already that. a believer by that time. Yes, yeah, yes. that was number one on the non-negotiable yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. list. Just even um, in a year of marriage, I think we've seen the importance of 
without Christ being the center of our marriage, it would be, I don't know how you do it. So I think that being the center helps um, alleviate even in conflict or anything like that. It makes it a lot um, more simple because Christ is the center. And so it resolves a lot of mm -hmm. different issues that could come up. It really we, we know, and I th we all seen this, but a lot of times how it goes down on the college campus is like, you know, two people will like each other, but one, they're not exactly equally yoked spiritually. Not that you got to be in the exact same spot, but this one person is like, hey, well, I think I can get them to Kind of that flirt to convert sort of thing. Yeah. You know? um, Say that again. Uh, flirt to convert. Yeah, flirt to convert. It's no, not to sell. That's but, a bad theology. But bad theology, students, teenagers, single parent, single adults, bad theology. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I just said. But you see that. You know, you see a lot of awesome people, and you're like, well, why would you know? Why would you compromise for this type? You know, you, that type of person. What I loved about Anna is that when we started dating, I didn't have to change her. I didn't have to change your heart, which I can't do anyway. I didn't have to motivate her to when follow Christ. When your marriage proves that, right? <laughs> right. You can't change each other, really. You think yeah. you can, but you can't always. So. It didn't take long. To, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but that was just a, you know, we didn't have to wait. And that was just, so much pressure was off. Because yeah. I was like, oh, she's not, you know, no one's perfect, but she's got a core belief system and has a track record of, like, actually living that out. I have a lot of confidence in that. And we can just have fun and trust God what the future has. Yeah. So. We'll look at that verse one more time. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, young people, students. Or don't let anyone think less of you because you're old and choose to be godly in your character. I'll, I, I bet God would allow that tweak for this morning. I bet he would. But go, it goes on and says, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, your purity. I think part of what God is driving at here, part of what the Apostle Paul, who penned these words by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is that every one of us needs to make some advanced decisions about every one of those categories of things if we're going to successfully live out a godly lifestyle. That's what it means to live a Christ-like, character-filled lifestyle. And we've been called to that, every one of us, every single one of us. You were made for that. And uh, that's, that's your destiny from God's viewpoint. The second biblical key to uh, success in finishing well in college and life is that we need to commit ourselves to building some Christ-like, character-filled friendships. Or if we want to shrink that down, we need some godly friendships. But godly friendships means that they need to be Christ-like and character-filled ones. Uh, scripture says this. I've always loved this verse. It's really concise. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Why do you think it begins by saying, Don't be misled, or some translations say, Don't be deceived? Why, why does it begin that way, you think? Because lots of us are. We're suckers for this. And we think, I'm the exception. And so we make no advanced decisions about who we're going to have relationships with. And the consequence of that is the bad company, so the people we're hanging with, corrupts what began in us as good character. God's giving us advance warning here so that we will make some advanced decisions with regard to friendships. Uh, have you seen this uh, biblical truth principle to be true in the college environment? Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah. I, uh, this is not an original thought to me, but someone once said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 
and I think that has been really true. I've, in, I've, we've only been out of college for a handful of years, but I think about girls I was friends with in college that didn't put Christ first and where that has led them and who they've surrounded themselves with and um, yeah, just how that's affected their life. And so uh, the people that I know put Christ first in college are doing that now and they had the people holding them accountable. And so even I think, you know, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's funny in small ways, you know, the mannerisms, but I think also like the decisions that you make, how you do prioritize God is greatly affected by the people that you're around. And so I think it takes a lot of, um, it might take effort or uh, getting outside your comfort zone to find those people. But if you have a picture of where you want to be in your faith, in five years, you have to you have to put the people around you that'll help you actually get there. So I think that's been true. I know without the friends that I was around, I would have, I probably wouldn't have been pushed or made half the decisions that I should have in order to put Christ first in you, college and post college. You know, the great irony of that is lots of us understand that principle in business, and so we think if I if I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to start a successful business, what do we do? We connect with some other people who are doing that. And we kind of build a relational network there who can kind of help us think that way and, and head in that direction. And, you know, or want to be a, an athlete. Uh, and so we, we kind of look to those people as mentors in our lives. And we build the, these f relational networks around us. We just don't understand that the same principle applies on a spiritual level that we become. How, what was the quote again? Uh, show me your friends, I'll show you your show future. Show me your friends, I'll <laughs> show you your future. That's a great quote. That's really, really good. So... Anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, in college and now, it's like we all have, you know, good intentions. Oh, I'm going to influence these people for Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but if I'm not careful, um, that bad company can corrupt my good character, and I can end up letting them influence me more than I'm influencing them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, the pre-decisions was huge. Um, and for me, even now, um, you know, because we're not, we're not supposed to ignore people who aren't following Christ, right? Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. We're supposed to help them. Um, so I have hopefully a lot of friends who aren't following Christ, but my inner circle in college, you know, my inner circle of men, inner circle today, those are the guys who are going to influence and shape my thinking. I want to be the people who, who um, are going to inspire me and, and challenge me and encourage me in my faith. And so um, a lot of times we can get that backwards. My inner circle is just, in college, you know, like maybe not so much now, but in college, like people still want their reputation. So they want to associate with people where their reputation is gonna, gonna thrive. Um, that's just the way it is. Some people say they don't care about their reputation, but that's just true in college, people do. But if you put just cool people in your inner circle that aren't, that are bad company, I mean, I'll, I'm not strong enough to have an inner circle that's corrupted. That bad company will, will corrupt me. We see that on college campus all the time. But you see people who put the right people in their inner circle and still love on and have a ton of friendships with people who aren't following Christ, as we're called to, you see them really thrive. And they actually end up, that inner circle actually begins to kind of grow and impact the lost around them. Can you think of any people in your work environment who it is their objective to surround themselves with cool people, regardless of their character? Can you think of that? Can you think of some of those? Uh, most of us who are, you know, maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're like self-employed and you don't have any much of that going on because you let those people go. But there are a lot of companies, a lot of companies where that is a significant uh, portion of the populace in your company. Um, how's that work when it comes to character-filled, godly, um, Christ-honoring kind of relationships? It, it, 
being cool, popular, and Christ-like doesn't always go together, does it? It doesn't, which is why we've got to make some advanced decisions in this regard. And it's also part of why, you know, we've got to have that inner circle, as, you, as you're saying. I think that's great, Alex. There's an inner circle of people in my life who, um, at the heart of them, they're trying to be Christ-like, character-filled people of God. Are they perfect? No. But we're united in that commitment and making advanced decisions together toward that end. Got to hold each other accountable. Who, who is that kind of person in your life? You have somebody in, that, in your life that way. And you say, well, that's my spouse. That's great. I would hope that that's your spouse. Who else? Because it's great that you've got a spouse who's committed to that. Who else in your work environment that will hold you accountable? Who else in your neighborhood, on your sports team, uh, you know, whatever your social kind of activities that you're part of, who else there have you connected with and they're trying to follow Christ like you are and you're kind of holding each other accountable to honor God and represent him well wherever you are? It's, it's, it is so important that we build some of these intentional, Christ-like, character-filled uh, friendships. Any, uh, any other insights into that that you would want to add before we move on? Yeah, I think uh, it takes a lot of initiative sometimes, I think, to uh, find the people that I knew were going to push me in my faith. They weren't, they didn't just happen to be around me. I had to go and kind of find them. Um, but it was very, it was very much worth it. And I think, too, I had to look for people uh, that weren't necessarily like me, you know, that weren't, yeah, that didn't necessarily boost my reputation, but they were committed and they were going to tell me what was true and they were going to tell me what I needed to hear. And so sometimes they're the friends that you love, but don't want to hear from, you know, but they, they're going to tell you what you need to hear. And so I was grateful for those people, but it did take me stepping out of kind of even where I was living at on campus or uh, people that were just naturally around me and finding those people that were maybe different from me, but I knew would tell me what I needed to hear and would set a bar or a really high bar for me in my faith and yeah, in character and just different areas of my life that I knew were going to be bar raisers instead of just uh, helping me compromise or giving me a way out, because I would, I would take it if it was there, but I'm grateful that there were people there that told me, hey, no, you, sh you, should, do, you should do what's right. You should do the best thing in this situation. So I feel like that was hard, but worth it every time. If you're a college student and, uh, you know, or, or high school years, knowing that you're anticipating going to college or something of that sort, I'd say, I begin praying now that you end up with a roommate who's got this, like, right already. I mean, that's, that's who you want to be a roommate. Advanced decision-making example. Don't choose the person who's the giant partier, who wants to be liked by everybody, who, you know, is just, who, who can't go to sleep at night to be your roommate. You don't want that person. If you want to be well-balanced, healthy, godly, live a lifestyle, you want to find the person who is endeavoring to follow God. One other thought that I know as we've talked about, um, or let me ask you this, how important is a campus ministry to a college student finding some, some friends with good character? How important is that? I mean, you know, our, our ministry, we're not the, the end-all, be-all by any means. Um, there's a ton of awesome ones on campus. Um, I think that the principle there is a place where you can get, you know, you know plugged in um, and be known. 
you know, and so a lot of times a, a campus ministry is, a, is not the only place to do that, but it's a great place uh, to do that just because it is, it is on campus. It's very, you know, accessible um, and yeah, convenient to get involved. It's easier. Um, but, I mean, we know it. It's like if, you know, in college there's 20,000 people. If I want to hide, I can hide. If I'm the one to be known, I can not be known. I can just kind of finagle my way and not really be real with God and be real with people. And so um, the good part about not all ministries, um, but a place where you can get plugged in and known and be around people um, is huge in any realm of life. And so just that, the principle of can I be known and be, if I, if I want to grow spiritually, uh, where is a place that's going to really help me do that? And so Because if I hide, I mean, it's not good. So. And if you're a college-age young person, I mean, I mean, we can help you find some of these campus ministries. It's not as if you're the first person who has ever gone to college from our church. We, we can and will help you connect with one of them uh, if you'll let us. I mean, you just got to talk to Cody. You just got to ask one of us on the staff. I mean, we can help you get to the right place. Because uh, student mobilization is a great one at case. I mean, there, but there's like a half dozen good mm-hmm. campus ministries at K-State. I know there's at least one at KU. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's several there. Um, so, so, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good campus ministries. Anna used to be at Missouri and, and helped launch a, a campus ministry there. So, I mean, we have connections that can help you connect with all of the, all of the local colleges but even if you're going to someplace far flung, I mean, particularly if we reach out to some of these folks, uh, we have connections all over the country and in some instances other parts of the world. So um, you have not because you ask not. Okay, just make it clear we, we, we want to help you with this uh, because according to God, bad company is going to corrupt my good character. I don't want to be suckered about that. I don't want to be misled or deceived about that. God doesn't want you to. So uh, let's help each other on that. And there's a third biblical key to success and finishing well, whether it's in college or life, in a larger sense. Uh, we need to commit ourselves to developing some Christ-like, character-producing spiritual habits. Some Christ-like, character-producing spiritual habits. Let me shrink that down to say we need some godly habits and training in our lives. Uh, I'm not going to become good or godly just by trying really hard any more than I'm going to become thinner by just trying really hard without regard to what I eat, you know, or what I do with my body. I mean, there's, there is something to be said for um, strength training is associated with what, what I do with my diet and my exercise and athletics is all about that. In fact, it's... Scripture is so clear on this. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 and following says this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. And this is the instruction of Scripture. So run to win. Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I should, what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. This was the Apostle Paul penning this in his uh, journal of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. But again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's just highlighting that you don't just drift into godliness. There's this whole matter of training 
physical training. We get this in the athletic arena. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I just kept, couldn't help but think, Alex, you were a football stud. And, he was. Uh, he was a linebacker <laughs> for K-State and uh, started for uh, several years, uh, was injured, and then uh, went through all of the, the training that you have to do to come back from that. Um, and you have been revered on the campus because of all that. Talk to us a little bit about your college football experience and, and this whole matter of training as it relates to K-State football and some of your, your experience on that level, if you would, for just a moment. Okay. Um, so I, I walked on the team, and that means when you get there, you, like, you're not on scholarship, but you walk on. I don't know why they call it walk on. I feel like I ran on. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot of training. I I'd mean, be crawling <laughs> off. Maybe. I did that as well. Um, but it was, it was tough. It was a, you know, I, I think the theme that I think of is like I just had to do a, a lot of what I didn't feel like doing to do what I wanted to, like, to become, right? Mm -hmm. I had to do what I didn't, it didn't feel good to wake up at 5.20, you know, multiple days during the week and go to bed at 1 a.m. Primarily doing football things all day, um, and so it was. Uh, it was you know sometimes people ask you, do you miss football? And I say, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I miss playing, but there's just so much that goes that goes into it. And I just think it was always just uh, doing what I didn't want to do, but so that I could become kind of the player I wanted to become. And so it was. Um, it was hard. There's a lot of days like I don't know if I can keep going. Like my body might. I might die out here, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> he had no sympathy for me. Uh, it was good, though, because I became a better player. And I, um, I was all right, you know, but I definitely exceeded probably what I should have because of the training. And so it didn't just happen. Um, I've had over the years uh, about three friends who were Navy SEALs. And uh, if you spend any time with somebody who's a Navy SEAL, because some of you know, know them, uh, not necessarily the friends I've had, but you know some Navy SEALs or somebody like that. And uh, the thing that they will tell you when it comes to the training side of it is that your body can endure far, far more than you would ever in a million years imagine that it can endure. And what's true for the physical body is true for the spirit as well. I mean, we are made capable of becoming and enduring and rising to the occasion on a level that we don't test or challenge most days. Uh, as I crawl into my comfy latex bed and I snuggle in and I, you know, I'm not testing nothing, you know? It's like, I, I, I'm not, this is just, this is, this is the level of comfort that we operate at. But we were made for a whole lot more. And training, discipline, test, all of this pushing uh, is a key to becoming, living out a godly lifestyle and maintaining godly friendships and this whole matter that Paul is talking about here and God wants us to understand. It's just the development of habits so that we... So that godliness becomes reflexive, so that we're capable of doing, at some point, something that I can't do right now. What, to, what are some godly spiritual habits that you recommend for students on a regular basis? Uh, obviously, those who are students here can benefit from that, but some of us who are adults I know can benefit from it. So talk a little bit about that, if you would, just 
how to develop some of those habits. Mm. One thing, and you guys have probably seen this before, and it's not original to, uh, to us, but is this wheel illustration. Maybe we got a slide for that. But yeah. uh, basically, it's a wheel. Um, as you can see here, I don't know if some of you guys are probably familiar with it, but what we like to talk through with students is, you know, you got Christ the center there. So once I start to follow Christ, Christ begins to live inside of me. It comes from Galatians 2.20. I've crucified with Christ. I no longer live. He lives in me. So Christ the center. And you kind of see the four spokes going out from there um, and the different components of it. So, you know, God talking to us via down, that vertical spoke there, the word. So 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed. It goes on there. But we try and help students get established um, reading, studying, um, memorizing, meditating on the Bible. And then prayer, you know, our vertical spoke to God, us talking to God. Um, we're commanded to do that as well. So these are just some of the habits um, on the vertical relationship uh, with God. You know, as God speaks to us through his word, we speak to him, communicate with him via prayer. Um, and then do you want to hit on the fellowship and witnessing, kind of the, oral, the horizontal? Yeah, so this would be kind of even our relationships with other people. And um, so fellowship would be our relationships uh, with other believers, with other people that are prioritizing their faith as well. And I always like to define fellowship as kind of even uh, participating in the other three spokes of the wheel with another believer. So maybe getting in the word with somebody else or praying together or even going with someone else to share our faith with someone who doesn't know Christ. And so that's kind of even how I like to define what fellowship is, but really it's a spurring, uh, a pushing um, of our of one another in our faith. And then the witnessing spoke would, just, would be sharing our faith with someone who doesn't know Christ, who doesn't have a relationship with God, helping them understand a full picture of the gospel and helping them to understand how they can respond to what Jesus has done for them. And so those are kind of even the foundation, I guess, of where we would start with students. But I think it honestly always comes back to this. So someone comes to faith their freshman year of college, their senior year, we are still talking about those things being present in their life and how are they growing and moving um, closer to Christ, even as they prioritize the word more, or grow in their prayer life. And so... Yeah, I think what you mentioned, like we, you know, football, we would train so that on the come to game, it's it's natural, right? Mm -hmm. And I know for me, the more I do these things, the more students do these things. Not that it becomes natural, but in the moment, I'm much more likely to do the Christ-like thing mm -hmm. if I've trained. So that if I train to become godly, then when the opportunity arises, it will be reflexive, mm -hmm. like you talked about. And so, and you think of a wheel, a wheel, a wheel is meant to roll. So if you were to roll this thing, you know, those four spokes. As I look at my life. We talk through with students if if they're unbalanced. So if I cut off one of those, if I cut off the word, then how is that wheel isn't going to run, right? Wheel's got to be round. And so I kind of need all four. And hopefully they're expanding out, they're growing, developing with Christ at the hub the, as the power source for everything. Yeah. So one, one last question related to that: what, what do you say to the student uh, who says to you, "Yeah, but like my spiritual life, it's it's just between me and God." <laughs> you know, this fellowship thing, you know, or even, even, I, I just kind of, it's just me and God. And, and, you know, they, they won't pray, they won't read their Bible, they won't, I mean, they just, what do you say to that person? Um, <laughs> you know, because we hear that a lot, we, just we do. you know, and, and I would say, well, I've never heard that, <laughs> never heard that in ministry. I would say whatever your faith is, Depending on the student, how you know with tact, but that's not Christianity. That's not Jesus. These are commands from Jesus. And so, if you want to know Jesus, then this is these are the way he. These are the means to know God and become like Him. Jesus never said your faith is is just between me and you only. Right? You need to, we need to have our own faith. I need to own it. But that's not what Jesus says. And so, man, if, if I'm doing that, I'm taking a lot out of that book, which is a scary thing. So, yeah, it's it, and you're exactly right. That's what I always think as well. Is that that the, 
the Christian life is not a private deal. It's not a private venture. It's not just me and Jesus. And so I'm free to form him in whatever fashion I want him to be in my mind. And this is a public deal. And God made it public when he made it a book available for all of us. And when he took upon flesh to live among us for all to see. And this book to remind us of. It's, it's a public deal. And I just want to encourage you, if your faith right now is kind of, if, if your orientation has been, well, this is me. I'm just, it's a private thing between me and God. I, I just want to push back on that a little bit and say, are you really following Jesus and this book? Or does that posture just allow you to call all the shots on your spiritual life personally and if it makes you nervous I don't have to do it because it's about Jesus and me not this book and not about my relationship with anybody else just want to gently push back on that and just encourage you to make a public advance decision for Jesus that Jesus wherever you want me to go whatever you want me to do whatever you ask me in this book I will do that that's what it means to be a Christian and maybe that's the kind of faith that you need to, need to choose to follow even today. Uh, it's an opportunity to do that. Well, uh, we could talk a lot more about these things. I would encourage every one of you uh, who's here just to take note of, the, of the, the spokes of the wheel and just kind of see where are you in those areas. Are you, are you paying attention to those things? Um, is there one or more of them that the Holy Spirit is saying you need to give a little more attention to? Well, what we've been talking about this morning are the three, at least three foundational keys to succeeding and finishing well in the race of life. It's developing a godly lifestyle. It's developing some godly friendships. It's uh, maintaining and, and developing some godly spiritual habits, some disciplines that will help me to grow stronger so that I can one day do in Christ what I right now can't do so I can become who I am not at the moment with the help of the Holy Spirit in my life and um, I'm quite sure God wants each of us to work on something in one of those areas what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you about will you listen to him will you, you surrender to him and just say Lord here I am help me to give attention to fill in the blank in your particular situation and I want to thank uh, Alex and Anna. Thank you guys for uh, being a part of this today. I know you're doing this kind of thing on a routine basis in college uh, environment. And uh, I think of uh, you know our, our friend as well, Callie, uh, who's also doing similar things uh, down in Arkansas. We also invest in on a monthly basis here and got the same mind and heart. And uh, we're just so proud of, of you guys, just proud of what you're doing and, and uh, eager for you to succeed. As I was telling them ahead of time, as I had two boys graduate from college, uh, K-State no less, uh, a few years back, um, college, uh, one of the greatest mission fields in America right now is the college environment. And I could talk a long time about that, as I imagine you figure I could. But um, I would say this, it, it's, it's a place of institutional unbelief. And I choose my words carefully. And what I mean by that, well, there are people there who are believers, but 
there is an institutional infrastructure that is committed to destabilizing the faith of your son and daughter and mine and our grandkids and our nieces and nephews. And you, if you happen to go back to school, uh, it, it is, um, it's, it's systemic at this point. And if we're not intentional in the kinds of ways we're talking about here, uh, you will, your faith can be rocked and uh, in many instances immobilized and paralyzed and uh, our goal is for that not to happen. Our goal is for uh, with the ministry that they're a part of as well as others on uh, some of these college campuses is to, to give you a place where you can get, get strength and we're proud of you stepping into that gap in our culture and uh, being a, a light in a dark place. So proud of you, thank you for that. We're going to close uh, our service uh, today, though, with two prayers in particular. I have asked Alex to uh, offer the first one and particularly to, to pray for our students who are graduating and for all of our young people who are part of the church and any of us in a college environment. And then uh, I'm going to, after him, uh, offer one more prayer. And in particular, I'm going to verbalize a prayer that I'm sure is the sentiment of our collective heart, uh, a prayer of blessing on them and their ministry and uh, their influence at K-State. And uh, after we've prayed, our service will be done. But uh, what I want to say is I, if you need personal prayer for anything this morning, you know, church is the kind of place that you ought to be able to come and get prayer. And we're going to hang around up here afterwards, and maybe you need personal prayer because you need Jesus in your life. And you're sitting here and you're thinking, your know, faith has been this private thing for me, and the truth is I've been on the seat the throne of my own life, and uh, I've acknowledged that God exists, but I'm really in charge here, and I need to get out of the throne seat and let him sit in it. And maybe that's you this morning, and you need someone to pray with you about that. Maybe you need to decide, I'm going to be baptized, as Scripture teaches, and demonstrate your faith physically, uh, not just with your words. Uh, words are important. If you confess, confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father, Jesus says. It's amazing the power of confession. Uh, it can save you, can bring transformation to your soul. But when we are baptized, we are, we are modeling with our body the surrender of self because Jesus highlights over and over and over again, we've got to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And we identify with him when we go under the water of baptism with his death, and we come up out of the water of baptism, we're identifying with him in his resurrection. Two key things, his death, his resurrection, and we're identifying with that, sort of appropriating that to me. Maybe you need to be baptized as an expression of your surrender and an invitation for the Spirit of God to fill you as Scripture promises he'll do. Uh, we can help you take some next steps in that. Um, Maybe you need uh, God to touch your body, your soul, or your family. Maybe you've got a student who's headed off to college this fall and uh, you're a little nervous about where they're headed and you'd like someone to pray with you. I know Alex or Anna would be happy to pray with you about that. Uh, maybe you've got a grandkid who's a student at college and is off the rails and you need somebody to pray with you about that. I could go on, but here's the point. If you've got something in your life you need to pray for, uh, we'll hang around a little bit afterwards. Don't be shy. Don't be timid. Come on up and let us. Maybe you're a college student. You want somebody to pray with you. We'll do that, okay? Let's stand together and close in prayer. Alex is going to pray first, and then uh, I'll close in prayer for them, all right?
And uh, thanks for being here, everybody. Let's bow our heads and pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for this morning and for Jesus and for the cross and for Romans 5.8, that while we're still sinners, you, you died for us, that Jesus, you, you, were your, you yourself bore our sin in, in your body on the tree so that we might die to sin and, and live for righteousness. And we know that it's by your wounds we've been healed. And would you help us to do that moving forward, to, to die to sin and live for righteousness. And I pray for uh, the students graduating and for all of us here in this room moving forward. Uh, would you help us to live out a godly lifestyle? Would you help us to set an example um, for everyone in our speech, life, love, faith, and impurity? And uh, moving forward, would you help us to live out uh, and just have Christ-like uh, friendships that are based on Christ-like character? We know that bad company corrupts good character, but we also know that uh, good character, Christ-like character, can help form and shape us more and more into the to the image of your son. And so would you give us friendships uh, that are like that? Would you help us to take the initiative to have those friendships uh, in our lives? And moving forward, would you help us um, to really run uh, to win, to have to live a lifestyle that really is um, one of, of spiritual uh, training and habits? Um, and we know not to, to earn um, any merit or to earn your grace as if we even could do, do that, but we know it's all because of your grace. Would you help us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling that we might run and, and get the prize uh, that is eternal and the one that's going to last? Um, and while the, so many of the things we know that we train for and live for here in this world and this life are, are temporary and they don't last. And so would you help us to discipline ourselves, to discipline our bodies, and uh, would your grace to us in our lives not be in vain, but would, because of what you've done for us on the cross, Jesus, um, would we take that, that grace and the power of your spirit and your word and um, live out what you've called us to do here on this, this earth and in this world. And pray for the seniors again uh, and moving forward to their next steps. God, we're excited for them. And would you just protect them? Would you keep them close to you? Would they really, uh, moving forward, love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? And would they love people as you have loved them? And I pray that you guard their faith. Not only that, but that it would grow and flourish in the next season and that you would advance your kingdom in and through them. And Father, I just... Uh close with this a prayer for Alex and Anna. Thank you for their faith in you and their uh, godly witness at uh, K-State. I thank you uh, not just for them, but for all who are like them standing in the gap in college and university campus settings all over the United States and world for that matter. Ask God for, for power, for wisdom, for uh, godliness. I pray, Father, for uh, the power of your spirit to lead them and uh, Pray, Father, that you'll give them hearts of worship and affection and eyes for lost people. I pray that they'll be successful. You'll grant them favor as they engage uh, college students and uh, try to uh, steer them back sometimes from uh, uh, decisions, advanced decisions to do that which is evil. And I pray that you would, uh, would grant them such favor that they would be successful with some of those students. And, pray for their number to multiply. We pray for more and more laborers on our college campuses and in work environments and uh, government and in the educational system as a whole. And God, we desperately, desperately, desperately need more uh, men and women who are committed to you. And uh, just pray that you'll multiply uh, the Alex and Annas of our world. And um, thank you for them. Uh, protect them from evil. Uh, grant them safety, health, and well-being, and much fruitfulness in the years to come. And uh, we'll rejoice together in all that you do in and through their lives. Thanks, God, for their grace. Thank you that as a church we have the opportunity to invest in them and K 
Cali and other campus ministry kinds of settings. And uh, it's an honor, a privilege to be a part of that. So uh, thank you, God, for your grace. Uh, thank you for hearing our prayer. It's in Jesus' name that we uh, close and pray. Amen. Bless you all.